Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 149. Well, happy February to you guys listening in real time. Uh, thanks for coming back for another show. Hope that life is treating you well. Um, tomorrow's Groundhog Day, so really excited about that. Uh, I really do love the movie. i got to tell you, every time that movie's on, I kind of get stuck in it, and I just watch it over and over and over. Okay, dumb joke. But anyway, uh, yeah, I hope things are going well for you guys. I will come right out and tell you right off the bat today that you are stuck with yours truly. So no guests lined up today. Definitely going to have one lined up for next time. Uh, next week we will have a guest because next week we celebrate our 150th episode, which is crazy to me. So uh, thank you guys if you've been listening from the beginning. If you just started listening, uh, thank you for checking it out. And once again, I'm always looking for guests, always wanting to hear news stories. Uh, hit me up, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Send me an email or send us a message, message over on Facebook. Um, Instagram would love to hear from you. Uh, so today what I thought we'd do is I've had a couple exciting encounters uh, the last couple times. Um, uh, and if you've been on our YouTube channel, you may have already experienced one of those. That was a really cool hunt. So I was going to talk a little bit about that story. Also, a couple days ago, um, helped a buddy uh, drag out a deer. And he already said that he's not real comfortable talking. So I thought I'd kind of tell his story and uh, kind of wrap up with uh, game plan. So it won't be super long today, but I thought I'd just kind of just rant for a little bit, and if you want to listen, great. If not, there's other great podcasts out there that just hit me up. I'll tell you which ones I listen to that I think are great. Um, <laughs> I have noticed that recently I've, I've made that shift into elk hunting. Um, so starting to listen to the elk hunting podcast again, watching elk videos, uh, really loving. Um, if you're into elk hunting at all, I love um, what Corey Jacobson does with Elk 101 and uh, Destination I think there's just called Destination Elk, yeah. Um, really good stuff, um, good hunts, fun things to watch, so good things there. But uh, yeah, so you came here for a story, so I'm going to give you one. It, it kind of starts with me trying to get a buddy a deer. Um, a friend, Corey, who I hunted with last year. Last year, uh, if you followed along, Corey, um, he got into hunting by watching Meat, meat Eater. He liked Meat Eater on, U- or on Netflix and decided, you know what, he wanted to give that a try. And so he went out and bought a bow, um, and got a Bowtech uh, diamond bow with its fully adjustable, got it set up for him. He started shooting some. Lives in town, so shooting in his backyard um, wasn't quite an option, so he always had to go someplace. So, um, But he got some reps in last year. On the second time I took him out, uh, Doe came in, showed up like unexpectedly. Um, I mean, not unexpectedly, but just I didn't see this deer come in. It, was just, it walked along a tree line. All of a sudden, I look up, and there's a deer just standing there. And uh, Corey comes to full draw, and I got the camera out real quick and, and got it on film. Um, took us a long time to find that deer. The blood trail wasn't great, but uh, that deer expired quickly, and we got Corey's first deer. Uh, later on, Corey uh, went muzzleloader hunting in West Virginia with a buddy who took him and uh, had a buck come down, and he got his first buck with a muzzleloader. So this year, I kept on messaging Corey um, and just saying, hey, I'm open. If you want to go, just let me know. Uh, let me know what you're thinking. And he just seemed to be really busy with work, a uh, very stressful job um, and a lot going on. And so, you know, I'd send him a message here and there, but uh, just didn't seem like he had the time. So I continued to hunt, and I tell you what, I've had a fun season. Um, it's been great. Two does, uh, missed one doe, had a few encounters with some bucks, um, but still just didn't come together for a buck to happen. So all that was kind of playing out about this time, and in January, early January, Corey 
um, quit his job where he was at. Um, just too stressful. He wanted to find something else, and so he he hopped out. Um, and so I was told that he definitely wanted to get out and hunt some. Um, his wife and my wife are very close, and they work. Uh, they work. My wife and uh, his wife work together, and so they talk a lot. And she was saying that Corey just looking for some stress relief, wants to get out and hunt some. So sent him a text, and next thing you know, we were setting up our first hunt. Um, I had decided that uh, during muzzleloader season, I'd gone up on this hill. So this property, um, if you just basically picture two giant hills with kind of a field in between, uh, it's a property that a guy at church owns, and I, I've hunted it. Um, on the eastern side of the property is this big hill that I've just not touched a whole lot. I haven't hunted up there a lot. Um, it's always it's very wide open on the back side of that hill, and there are um, these crab apple. Um, rows that go up through um, both sides of this uh, this field uh, that goes up to that hill. It's real kind of real thick. And that crab apple, I've turkey hunted up there, but just never thought much about deer hunting up there. Um, my buddy Trav, though, uh, he's very good at reading topos and understanding stuff. Really suggested that I ought to go up to this hill. Um, part of it is is that uh, I believe in two thousand, I want to say maybe eighteen. Um, Somewhere in there, uh, a neighboring property of 180 acres, they built a high fence. And this high fence basically kind of changed the entire dynamic of uh, how this property works. Um, they put in a 180-acre high fence for these three guys that just own it, and they stock their deer. There's deer, deer that are tagged in this property. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's been kind of crazy and, and changed things. And it's, I just haven't picked up on it. That, that high fence, I know where it kind of goes up and over, um, this creek, but I never, you know, because I couldn't jump the fence and go look, I didn't never saw exactly where it ended or where it made a, um, uh, a 90 degree angle and went up through and kind of made this box. Um, and Trav got to looking at that on, on Onyx and said, that's gotta be like where that high fence makes that turn. Like it doesn't go the full length of the property that I had permission to hunt, if that makes sense. So, um, it, there's got to be where that turn is. That's got to be a travel corridor for them to get onto the property that I have permission to hunt. Um, and that just so happens to be up on top of this hill. And I, I guess I just never pieced together in my mind how that would work or how the deer would use it. And I had that other property that's um, what I call the Amish property that's always been sweet until this year. It just really wasn't as sweet. Too much pressure up there, I think. Um, and I, I'd walk past all these other places and walk up this super steep hill, and I just left this area. So during muzzleloader season, I went up there on one hunt during the snow and just saw a ton of tracks. And I'd never gone up there to see that. And I, I immediately went back down, grabbed a bag of corn, came back up with a trail camera, threw out the corn, and put out the trail camera just to see what was there. And it didn't take long, about four days, and a, a decent buck showed up. Not a giant by any means, probably 110 to 120 inch, 10 point. Uh, started showing up pretty frequently. So that's where I decided to hunt during muzzleloader season. Corey was going to come over, and uh, he sat on one hill where I had a grow, uh, doe group coming in. So not the same hill as me. Um, I just wasn't still, I wasn't sure about how good it was going to be. I should say this, the buck that was showing up, it was at night. So he hadn't shown up in daytime yet. Uh, just does so far. But the other hill where I put Corey is a traditional good spot. Got him over there, got him kind of tucked in, and he wanted to, he didn't have a muzzler, so he was going to hunt with his bow from the ground. Um, and it was dreadfully cold that night. So I went up on this hill, 
and Corey was on the other hill. And Corey had some deer come in, and they I think they saw him down in the brush, and uh, they didn't come his way. So I was, you know, it kind of stunk. I didn't put him in the best spot that I could. Uh, it also, because it was so cold, we felt it would be better for him to be on the ground, not up in a tree freezing to death. And so over on my side, though, man, the action was awesome. And I think I already told that story, so I won't go into super detail, but I saw a ton of deer that night. Mostly small bucks came up from behind me, in front of me, out of that area that's across that fence, the area where the high fence is. That's all real thick bedding over in there, and I think a lot of deer bed over in that spot. And those does came out of there, and I thought about shooting a doe with muzzleloader, decided not to. So fast forward to the next hunt. Uh, Corey said he wanted to go again, and he said that his daughter really wanted to come. So I decided to put Corey up in that spot. Um, but I, I didn't realize that his daughter was coming, and where I put the corn pile was made for a, like a muzzleloader spot. Um, that muzzleloader hunt, I was in one of those crab apple uh, rows, and it's real thick, real great. Like It's really a natural ground blind. It's really good for cover, because I had deer all around me that didn't see me that first hunt. So I put Corey and his daughter there. And I was anticipating snow that day. Um, his daughter just kind of wanted to witness the whole thing. And uh, I got him up to that spot. And as I'm getting them set up, there was a deer at the corn pile 70 yards away. But what I expected, though, even though the corn pile was that far away, I expected a lot of deer to transition by them and give them a chance. I uh, was still hunting for a buck, and I had a buck down in the bottom, um, uh, close to the Amish property. And so I, that's where I went. Uh, that night, I only saw three does at last light let them go, and I guess the, the daughter got pretty cold, um, and instead of snow, we just got three hours of rain uh, before it turned into snow at dark, and so it was just cold and kind of miserable. She still had a great time, but she wanted to go to the car early, so Corey and her left about a quarter till five, you know, that sweet zone whenever deer really start moving. They bumped deer that were coming into that spot as they were going off the hill. My trail camera showed that there are all kinds of deer at that trail camera uh, from five until dark, so Definitely had him in the ball game, but just, you know, bringing a kid, but she loved it, which was great. I was, I was hoping that she didn't hate it. I was a little nervous about her coming, um, given those circumstances. So uh, I was pretty well played out after that. I was tired, told Corey, I was like, now, are you still wanting to go? He's like, well, I got the tag. I'd, I really would like to fill it. I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's look ahead. So we waited about a week, and I kept on putting out the corn. Well, in that week, I really started seeing a buck come in frequently during daylight. Um... And so I put out the corn on uh, last Friday, and our plan was to hunt on Monday. Now, I normally would probably put it out maybe two days in advance uh, to get him to come in, um, but uh, Kate's, my wife's uh, family was coming in on Saturday, so I didn't know I couldn't leave them. So I put out that corn on Friday. That buck showed up, the 10-point, up on top of the hill, this new spot where I started hunting. He started coming in Saturday morning. He was there. Saturday night he was there. This is daylight. Sunday morning and Sunday night. Oh, yeah, in Monday morning. So he was there every, like, I had all kinds of daylight pictures. I'm like, this is a dead deer. And I put out 100 pounds of corn, and all these other deer and him ate all of that corn up in three days. Like, completely, like, there wasn't hardly a kernel of corn left. And uh, so I told Corey, I was like, I think this is a slam dunk if you want to come. So that was the game plan. So we go in Monday. There's still snow, a little bit of snow on the ground uh, from before. So I was excited about that. But then on the way there, we didn't, nothing in the forecast told us. It starts snowing. Like it starts snowing pretty heavy. And I didn't know that it was even supposed to snow. Nobody really knew. It was one of those unexpected things. So 
we go, we take a little tiny bag of corn with us. Just, I thought, if we put out a little of that yellow gold, maybe that'll entice them to come in. The wind, unfortunately, was going to be kind of at our back right, going right toward uh, that property um, where the deer, I, I knew some of them would be coming out. But it's just kind of one of those things. I thought, you know what, let's just give it a go. They could come from behind us. I don't know. I've, I've not really sat in a tree there. And that was the other part was, I really wanted to get Corey up in a tree. I didn't want to hunt from the ground close to where those deer are coming out and crossing the fence line. I really wanted uh, to be up elevated and, and give him that chance to get the shot. <laughs> so I go in, put out the corn, um, and I go over and I'm going to climb up with three sticks, actually four sticks, and uh, hang a lone wolf, uh, hang on stand for him, and then I'm going to put up my ring of steps and be right above him filming and also, I'm going to have my bow, so who knows, maybe that buck's going to come in. We both can, can get a shot. So that's the game plan. I start to climb, and like I said, the snow's coming down. It's cold in the 20s, I believe, real, real chilly. And I get the lone wolf up, um, and I start strapping, getting everything strapped up, both straps. And I no sooner get ready to seat it, I kind of push it down. And I'm about to tell Corey, all right, I'm going to keep going up to get ready. And I look down, and there is a deer at the corn pile 20 yards away. <laughs> Now, I realized immediately a couple things. This is a small deer, and then I was pretty sure it was a button buck. But I also knew Corey wanted to just shoot a deer. Uh, he shot two deer up to this point, only one with his bow. So for me, anything was pretty much fair game for him. And I looked down, and Corey has got his back to this deer. And I'm like, Corey, there's a deer. And he, he says, I know, like he had seen it. And Corey is just one of these real calm, like doesn't get rattled kind of guys, like just real calm demeanor. I mean, just, and so he's, he's just kind of sitting there. I'm like, all right. I was like, well, see if you can knock, knock an arrow. <laughs> so he, his, his bow's at his feet because he wasn't planning on coming up until I was fully up in the tree. So he bends down and he gets an arrow out of his quiver and starts to knock it. And I'm watching, and this deer is watching, like this deer is, I think actually it was in reality, is 18 yards away. Um, Corey hasn't had a chance to practice a whole lot out past 20 this year, uh, given his job situation. So 20 is kind of his maximum range. I, I wouldn't want him to shoot any further than that. So Corey gets an arrow knock. This deer's just kind of sitting there watching him, putting his head down, getting by the corn. And I have a camera in my pocket. Um, I, I started carrying like this smaller camera in my pocket. I have my main camera, the bigger one, the nicer one in my backpack, which is on my back. And I'm just kind of hanging there at this point. <laughs> uh, and so I got my, my camera and I'm able to film this entire encounter um, Corey takes two steps away from the deer which I thought was weird I thought he would just kind of turn, spin, draw but instead Corey saw a tree that was about uh, two yards away and he takes two big steps and he gets behind that tree and this deer lifts his head and watches him do it but this deer just, he's young he's kind of dumb and he wants to be at this corn pile there's part of me that almost felt bad for him. I'm like, buddy, come on. Like, you can clearly see that there's a guy standing right there. What are you doing? Um, but Corey gets behind that tree. I start filming the deer. And I, the deer was quartered to very strong. Um, so I, I was going to, I think I tried to whisper to Corey, wait till he turns broadside. But I, all of a sudden I look down and Corey's at full draw. And so I'm like, maybe he, I mean, and he's kind of, he's got a different angle than me. Like he's maybe two, three yards away and he's behind this tree, and he's peeking around, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to film and see what happens here. So I film this deer, and all of a sudden, I hear the pop. Corey shoots, so he obviously hits it. The deer whirls, and the deer takes off running, jumps the fence, and as he's running away, I see the arrow sticking out of this deer, and it's sticking out way back. 
And I'm like, oh, no, he, he totally, like, hit this. It almost looked like it was, like, in the flank, gut. I'm like, this is, this is not good. And this deer runs off, and the deer stops out there a ways. It's easy to see because of the snow. And um, I see him out there, and then the deer seemed to kind of veer down to the left toward the ravine, toward the high fence is where I thought this deer was going. And I lost track of him. And I look down at Corey, and he's just kind of, you know, he's calm, not really shaking or anything. And so I finished setting up his stand, and I climbed down. And we go over, and we look, and there's definitely blood. And I was like, how do you feel about the shot? He's like, oh, I felt pretty good. I was like, oh, man, I, I thought I was a little back. He goes, I, I don't think so. He goes, I, I felt pretty good. I kind of had to look between two trees. I was like, well. And so we saw, we marked where the deer had jumped the fence. And I pulled out my, my, my uh, camera. And one thing Travis Shire taught me, he, he's done this trick quite a bit. Um, I got out my camera and I opened up the viewfinder and, uh, I used my cell phone. I got an iPhone and I put it into slow-mo version uh, or slow-mo mode, I guess you'd say. Um, and I videotaped my camera, you know, the monitor with my cell phone in slow-mo because yeah, it was just too hard to see otherwise, you know, what, what, the, what happened at the shot. And upon looking at that, like slowing it down, it was really tough to see, but it looked like he definitely hit this deer um, right behind the shoulder, just a little high. What I hadn't factored in and really thought about was the fact that as that deer is running away, like all I, I didn't really see the shot, I just heard it because I was trying to video everything, so focused on that. So I saw the deer running away. Well, what I hadn't realized was I was looking at the exit. I was not looking at the entrance. And that deer was strongly quartered to us, so... Corey put it right behind the shoulder, hit the deer a little high, but it was angled back. Um, and so we thought, okay, all this while the snow is coming down, and I'm trying to decide, this is at 3.04. doesn't get dark until about 6. So I'm like, what do we do? What do we do here? And so based on that, I felt like we should wait. And so I told Corey, I was like, I feel like we need to wait, give him some time. Do you care if we wait? Like there was a little bit of a blood trail, but it was snowing. So I figured, I was like, that blood trail is going to get... Might get covered up, but we got tracks. I'm pretty sure it's a dead deer for sure after looking at the video. And Corey's like, yeah, that's fine. I was like, do you mind videoing? Do you want to do that? He's like, yeah, no, that's, he's, he's I'm perfectly fine doing that. That other buck might come in. You might get a shot. Um, let's do it. We'll wait. So that's what we did. I did not anticipate it to snow three inches that night. <laughs> I did not know it was going to snow that much. Had I known that, I may have tried to get down out like after a half hour to 45 minutes and start the track job while we still could. We climb the tree, I get up in the saddle, um, immediately, probably I think within 15-20 minutes, we had two does come in, are since blowing right toward where I, they came from, but, and they seemed on edge, but they jumped the fence and came to the corn anyway, and they kept looking up right at us. I mean, there's two dudes in a tree that doesn't har have hardly any cover, and so these deer kept on like lifting their heads, looking right at us, doing the stomp deal, but they just wanted to be at that corn pile. That's the power of a corn pile late season on a very cold, snowy night. So those deer eventually left. A few more came in. All said and done, we saw 13 deer that night. Uh, deer came from behind us um, and crossed over a uh, little valley and below us. Um, but it all led up to right at last light. Sure enough, in comes that buck. I'm pretty sure it was that buck. Um, I didn't see him until um, uh, he was right at the other side of the fence. So I needed him to jump that fence to come over so we'd have permission. And he was walking along, and I got knocked, ready to go, and I thought it was going to happen. That's the only deer that night that didn't ignore its instincts. <laughs> um, 
he he all of a sudden caught movement or he caught our scent. I'm not sure which, but all of a sudden it's just like, uh-oh, like he went on alert, like something's wrong. You knew just by the way he was acting. Uh, it wasn't two seconds. He gave a little snort and he trotted off and he stood there for a while. There was more deer with him. I thought he might come back in. Um, you know, definitely no shot. He's across the fence. I never had a chance. He never stepped out into the open, never crossed the fence line. And what I didn't see was three does came in below us while I was so fixated on him. They came in below us and saw me kind of moving my head, just trying to look around the tree, and they blew, and that was the game. Uh, Corey and I climb down, we get packed up, and we start to track, and we find there's no tracks, there's no snow. Uh, long story short, an hour and a half goes by, and we, we were about to give up and come back in the morning. Um, and we went out just a little bit further. We thought that deer had dropped down into this ravine. Instead, he had actually gone out a little bit further. I went out across there. I found him. Um, just happened to go, just, I would have been within probably 15 yards of that spot and just hadn't seen him. And, um, he was so warm, you know, that the, the snow hadn't actually covered him. Like I thought maybe we might, he might be under a pile, drift pile. Um, Corey came over and I surprised him with it and, uh, got to help him drag it out, cut it up the next day. And so it was very cool experience, really awesome. Corey was happy. It was a smaller deer, and so that was actually perfect because his wife was saying, man, we actually still have deer meat left over from last year. Do we really need one? So he was kind of happy to have a smaller deer, um, and he was tickled. You know, it was really cool. All of that can be viewed on YouTube. I was able to video it, uh, put together a little bit of a video, even got out my drone um, and flew the drone to get a little footage there. And um, So, yeah, it was kind of neat little video and exciting for Corey to, to have that happen. Um, a couple of nights ago... Um, the second story that I'm going to tell you real quick, uh, I wasn't there, so I don't know all the details of everything that happened, but my buddy Jim, who is in our group, um, it was it's me, Jim, and Trav, who are kind of the main guys in the group that make the decisions and all those sorts of things, and then we have three contributors, Josh, Eric, and Ben uh, are part of our team that help contribute, and they, they're they definitely a part of our team, um, but Jim, Jim just hasn't had a lot of time to hunt um, over the last few years. He's been working as a firefighter, also working um, at a local company, doing a lot of stuff with them with um, uh, chimney work and things like that and he just hasn't just hasn't been able to get out hardly at all maybe a little bit during gun season this year he retired from the fire department opened up a lot of time for him and so gun season Jim's primarily a gun hunter uh, he has a great property to hunt and so he started putting out the corn he had a cell cam had a nice buck come in and um, unfortunately things just didn't pan out for him in gun season so he's he's continued to, to go though and he's got a blind and Jim's uh, he, he doesn't film anymore. He used to film, but just decided that he didn't hunt enough to justify having the expensive equipment and all of that stuff to carry in. So uh, he's still had some nice bucks coming in, uh, even in late season to the corn and started daylighting. So Jim put in, I think he said about eight days, all day sits in January, mind you, in that blind. Like that's a long time to sit in January, I think. I'm not an all day sitter, definitely not in a blind, uh, but Jim was a trooper. So a couple nights ago, I get a call about six, six uh, fifteen, maybe six thirty somewhere in there actually, and uh, Jim says, "I got, I, I shot one uh, with my crossbow." And he's never shot a deer with his crossbow, uh, so he was kind of excited about that. And I was like, "Well, how do you feel about it?" He's like, "Man, it's tough." He goes, "I had blood initially. It looked like there wasn't blood for thirty yards, and then I picked up the blood trail. But I decided since I didn't have blood for thirty yards, I was going to back out." I'm just going to go in tomorrow after church. Well, this past weekend, my wife and I, we took on one of the foster kids that we had before just to give the grandma a little bit of a, a weekend break, <laughs> which she needed. So I didn't want to leave my wife with the, the uh, live wire uh, child that we had been watching this weekend on Sunday. 
But it's seven o'clock. I'm getting ready to give the kids baths, and we're going to put them down for a nap or for for bed. I told Jen, I was like, "Well, if you feel like you made a good enough shot, we could go back in tonight." And he told me more details about everything, and I was like, "Man, I just don't want you know, I don't want it to be based off of me whether or not he should go back in." But decided that that was the best course of action um, for him. He got online, kind of researched how he everything played out for him. Basically, what happened was he was there. He saw one deer at eight a.m. He got into the line at five a.m. Sat there all day, saw one deer at 8 a.m., didn't see any other deer until it was almost last light. And then he had seven come in. Uh, Seven came off the hill, came down to his corn pile uh, about 30 yards away. And uh, a 10-point that he'd been watching, that's the one that he thought it was, came in at last light and was kind of quartering, I think quartering to him, if I remember right. And he squeezed the trigger off and he said it was definitely just last light. It was hard to see, hard to tell. Uh, He doesn't have lighted knocks, but he got a pass through. Um, he went over, found that arrow, good blood on impact, 30 yards, he didn't find blood, and then he found the blood. So after looking at everything, he thought, we definitely should go after this deer. By the time we got out, this property is 45 minutes away, so about three and a half to four hours had passed since the shot. So we get over there, I have a good spotlight, we take his ranger up, or whatever it is, uh, you know, four, four runner, and get up uh, to the spot. Uh, on the hill where he shot and immediately I'm like that blood does look pretty good the arrow looked good um for some reason he was shooting rages and for some reason there was no head left on like all three blade all three blades basically had came off of the 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 broadhead so we were a little concerned about that started to track and we got up to the spot where he had found blood again and I immediately said before we go forward let's go backward and I started going, and I actually found there was a blood trail going back to the corn pile where he'd shot. It was just, he must have hit an artery because it seemed to be more of like a spray, a wide spray, than like strong, heavy drops. Um, and so we, I realized there wasn't a gap. Um, and it was hard, I think it was just hard for Jim to see that. And so we continued, and I tell you what, we had blood, nice blood on the snow, mind you, for about 125 yards. We went up over this hill. Uh, crossed an ATV path and started down over the other side. And like I said, there was just decent blood the whole way, blood on leaves that looked good, looked like lung blood. And uh, Jim's in front of me, and I'd kind of filmed a little bit of this. And uh, I look up, and I I see something brown. So I immediately get out my camera on my phone, is what I was filming with, and I, I was like, I think that could be a body of a deer. And no sooner I get my camera recording, and Jim looks back, and he starts smiling. He's like, why did you tell me? And he was just so pumped because he's had a rough couple seasons, if we're being honest. Uh, not being able to get out as much whenever he has gotten out, um, things just haven't panned out for him. Uh, with some of the shots that he's taken, shots where there should have been dead deer, um, and it just, just didn't work out. But this time it did. And so I got to celebrate with him. Um, it was just awesome. Uh, that's over on our Instagram. I'm actually going to make that an Instagram story that you can uh, watch uh, on our main profile. So I uh, thought it was a really cool reaction. Got his little take on everything. And then the drag out was difficult. We, we, uh, this property has been heavily timbered, so we decided that the best course of action was to take this thing 70 yards straight up this really steep hill that we just came down to get it uh, go that way because there was so much deadfall going, dragging it downhill. So rough drag out, but he was excited. He's going to get them mounted and just an awesome experience. So those are the two hunts that we've had. I'm super excited for this coming Saturday. I'm getting together with all of the Shedding Light guys. We've never had all of the Shedding Light, Joe's staff, and that's what we call the three of us, and the contributors. We haven't got all of us together before. 
um, since we've been uh, doing our thing the last couple of years. So we're all going to go to Texas Roadhouse, enjoy some time, uh, shoot the breeze. So we're looking forward to that. I will tell you this. Um, my wife, uh, she she has to choose her words a little bit more carefully um, if she wants me to be done hunting. I kept on saying, I'm done. Like after that hunt with Corey, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm good. I've, I'm satisfied. I killed two, two does. We got meat in the freezer. We're good. And I kept on saying it. And then she said, you know, have you actually gone and looked in the freezer? I'm like, well, what do you mean? She goes, I don't know that we have as much deer meat as what you actually think because we've been using it. Like we don't, we, we, don't, we didn't get a beef this year. So we have just a little bit of actual hamburger left. So we've been using deer burger for everything. We've used some roasts and She's like, I just don't know if we, I'm like, are you saying that we need another deer? <laughs> and so she's like, well, just go down and look. And I looked, I'm like, yeah, I mean, we only have like one roast left. We have some deer sticks and we have about 20 to 30 pounds of ha- of deer burger. But yeah, it is. Uh, so I went back up and I was like, so uh, so when can I hunt? <laughs> and uh, definitely couldn't hunt this past weekend because of the foster kid coming in. But she's like, oh man, she goes, I shouldn't have said that. I'm like... Not if you wanted me to really be done, because now you've given me a reason. And she's like, well, if you want to go Friday, um, that might work out. So this Friday, um, it's supposed to warm up into the 40s on Wednesday. Thursday, it's supposed to be in the 30s, uh, 20s. This coming Friday, it's supposed to be about 8 degrees. Um, So I am really strongly considering giving it one more go. Uh, Saturday is the last day of season, and I'm going to be with the Shedding Light Boys then, so I can't go then. So I'm really looking at Friday is, hey, if I put that corn out on Wednesday, and once again, if you're an anti-corn person, I just got to tell you, these deer aren't coming off that neighboring property. I have been over there now, crossed the fence to track uh, Corey's deer. Uh, it's thick. It is a great deer habitat spot. Um, they're not coming over into this wide open area for no reason. Um, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things where I really feel like I've, I've got to have that corn in order to get them to come in, especially if I'm going to get a buck to come in. So that's the game plan potentially tomorrow, uh, being Wednesday. I may go out, put out the corn, and then hunt it on Friday night um, and see what the cold does, see if it gets them on their feet, and see if I get one more chance. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And I, I might shoot another doe if push comes to shove at last light, but it's going to be one of those deals where I'm really just not going to want to do that. you know. But if we do need, need the meat in the freezer, then I, I might consider that uh, to do that. So that's the excitement going on. Um, just wanted to share a couple thoughts that I had. Um, just I try to read my Bible as much as I can, and I, I'll be honest, there's days that I don't, and I go on streaks. I'm, I'm just a person that goes in and out of disciplines. and um, But it's one of those things where it's like, I really want to have the Word of God in my life more often. And this morning I was reading, and I just thought that this was, I'd never paid attention much to the Psalms. You know, I read the Psalms occasionally, but, um, you know, they're just kind of, sometimes they're a little tough to read. But I read Psalm 81. In verse 13, um, this is God speaking, says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel uh, would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward them, and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. I thought that was just kind of an interesting uh, passage there. You know, that uh, if people would just listen to me, one of the things I've been working on with my kids is listening the first time I tell them something. We, we had a teacher, um, my five-year-old's in kindergarten, and, and a teacher said, how do you motivate this girl to do something a little bit quickly? Like, she'll do it, but she just lollygags and takes her time. And so 
that was just cute to me. Like I told my wife, we've really got to. I've noticed that. Like if I say, hey, dinner's ready, and they're upstairs or they're playing, I got to tell them three or four more times before they actually listen to me. <laughs> and so we've started working on like, hey, you need to listen the first time, and if you don't, there's going to be some consequences. Like, hey, and I'm not. I know that I'm getting you to stop playing, but you're coming to eat, which is important. And I just think about like how that's the same way I am with God. God's like, if you just listen to me. Like, listen to my words, read my word, know what I, I want for your life. If you would just connect with me in prayer, like, I got something good for you. So it might not be the fun of deer hunting, it might not be the fun thing, but it might be what's more important for your soul and for your spiritual growth and who you are, um, if you would just listen to me. And I think, man, it just hits me, like, I need to listen better. I get so focused on other things. I've talked about it a million times, get focused on my phone. My wife and I are really this week... Like, there's just so much drama and so much things going on on Facebook and other things right now that we just, we got to take a break because it affects our attitudes being on there. Um, And then the last verse, God would feed you with the finest of wheat and the honey from the rock he would satisfy you. Like, God's going to give you, like, the most satisfying thing. It might not be, there's a difference in being satisfied and being, like, stuffed. And you know the difference, like, whenever you're eating, you're like, oh, man, I'm just stuffed. I feel sick. Like, but, but... there's sometimes where you learn, like, hey, I just need to eat till I'm satisfied. And you have this feeling of, man, that was good. I didn't kill, I didn't overdo it, didn't underdo it, like, did it just right. And you, you walk away, like, don't you want that in your life? And the only way I know to have actual satisfaction isn't by shooting a big buck. If I shoot that buck on Friday, it's going to be a cool feeling. I'll be happy. But I'm, that's not where satisfaction comes from. Satisfaction comes from recognizing who God is and who he has called you to be. Um, and living in His will for your life, doing the best that you can at that. So I'd encourage you guys, um, you know, that's something that God just kind of like this morning just kind of hit me. That came from reading God's Word. Um, I'm no theologian. I'm not a deep scholar. I struggle with doing reading as much as I should, just like anybody else. But I encourage you, if you don't read your Bible, um, get on there from time to time. Try and make it a daily habit if you can. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Just read it. You don't have to read a whole chapter. You don't have to read the Bible in a year. Um, you don't have to have these laws. Just read a little bit. Let God speak to you through his word and see what he has to say. And there's going to be days where it hits, other days where you're like, no, I didn't really get a whole lot out of that, but I'm just going to come back the next day and and maybe there'll be a nugget there or something. And we shouldn't go into it reading saying, what am I going to get out of it? It's, it's go into it trying to learn who is God and what is uh, his will. Uh, what's he trying to do? So that's my encouragement for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for listening to me ramble here for about 30 minutes. Um, I got a staff meeting that I got to get to, so I'm going to sign off. Next week, we will come back for our 150th episode, and I am super excited for that. So thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a fantastic week, and until next time, remember to shed the light.